Hey cousins, you are listening to Revolutionary Hood Rat with Kim Young of Dope Black Social Worker. And uh, my goodness, y'all, look at us. Then started a podcast and shit. Like I'm really behind a microphone, but I don't have no dangly earring or nothing on. So y'all know I won't be talking no cash shit. I'ma talk my shit though, but I'm not gonna be sounding like them people that be wearing them dangly earrings with a microphone in front of their face. You feel me? Um I am so excited that y'all have made a decision to join me on this journey. And I want to be transparent and share. I am feeling some anxiety about it uh, because as we know, with new things comes new feelings and new anxiety. And so instead of trying to ignore it or push it away, I want to acknowledge that it is here with me in this moment as I'm recording this podcast. And so, hey, anxiety girl, welcome Boo, don't get too comfortable though. Don't stay too long. But I acknowledge that you are here. All right, bet. So how are we going to spend our time together on this platform? Because y'all know I got a plan. I'm a full-blooded Capricorn. So you know I got a whole plan, which means we got segments. Um, So I want to kind of explain what those segments are going to look like. The first segment is titled Revolutionary News. And during that segment, I want to increase awareness and highlight the work of dope social workers, therapists, revolutionaries, just around the country and the world. But y'all already know that I'm going to pay, pay special close attention to black and brown revolutionaries, therapists, social workers in the country and across the world. So after revolutionary news, when I move into this segment called Earth is Ghetto, and this is where I get to talk shit about pop culture, documentaries, trash television, and my life. I want to be able to talk shit about other people's lives that I see on television or on the internet and my own life because I don't have my things together. And I want to be able to talk that stuff out like the random shit that be in my head. Y'all, I be having so many thoughts and I be keeping them to myself. But I, then I also just end up laughing to myself in public. So sometimes I'll be looking a little wild. And so now I can let some of those thoughts out here. So get ready. Uh, and then after the Earth is Ghetto segment, it's Tales from the Trap. And so during Tales from the Trap is where I want to relive stories of my time being in the field, practicing as a social worker and a therapist. I just hit 10 years post-grad from graduate, you know, completing my graduate program. And so I'm not an OG OG. I'm not a new head. I'm like a young OG. I have stories. I have experienced things. I have lived. And I believe that storytelling is a way of connecting with people, but then also sharing information. And so my hope is through Tales from the Trap, I get to relive some fond memories while also um, providing some education and some insight to those who uh, might find themselves early on in their journey. So social work or therapy counseling students, early career folks, and then even OGs. And so after Tales from the Trap, we'll end our time on the podcast together, which is a good Black word. And so I fully recognize that I am on my own journey, and I know that I am not on that journey alone. And so with a good Black word is this place of acceptance that I am in. So I acknowledge that whatever this path is that might lead towards being an enlightened being is completely unattainable. Because I am actually doing the work and I am my own path. 
And so I want to be able to share where I am in my journey and my process, what I'm reflecting on, where I'm messing up, what I am learning um, in the hopes that it may offer something to somebody else. So that is the Capricorn's plan for how we're going to spend our time together. Now will life do its big one? Hell yeah. Will I maybe have guests from time to time? I guess like that will happen. I don't really know because this relationship between me and you, me and this microphone is new. Maybe it'll work out. Maybe it won't. But in the event that it does, I got a plan and we're going to have a good ass time. So let's get into it. So for revolutionary news this week, I want to give a shout out and stand in full solidarity with the students at 30 institutions across the country that are asking for compensation for internships um, and field placements. Because baby, I've been there, I was there, I was y'all, and I still want my money. You hear me? Um, and so for those who may not have awareness, there are social work students who are organizing across the country at institutions across the country and all demanding that social work field placements are paid. And this just makes complete logical sense to me. However, there are a number of institutions um, that are in, not in agreement with this demand. One of them being the Council of Social Work Education, um, who back in 2022 released this statement that read, during these courses, students do not yet meet the job-related training, competencies, and educational requirements of professionals and licensed social worker social work positions, which essentially is just arguing against this belief that students deserve compensation for the work that they are doing. I know for a fact that I was doing real work, right? Yeah, I was learning at the same time, but I was also working. I also have knowledge as some of my folks who were in social work, my social work program with me, they were actually completing work that their agencies or organizations were billing insurance companies for, particularly Medicaid. And so I don't want to hear no bullshit about how social work students are not generating revenue or producing some sort of labor that agencies or organizations are benefiting from. Pay them. Pay them. Period. So shout out to all the students across the country who are organizing and mobilizing and demanding that they receive financial compensation for internships and field placements. Keep getting in all the trouble. You hear me? All right. Now for the fun part. Moving into some Earth is Ghetto. Y'all, have you seen this new Duggar documentary? Shiny Happy People? It's on Prime Video. Because if y'all don't know this already about me, I love, I love white mess. I love it. I love it. I really can't get enough of it. It's just this idea that, you know, we could be socialized. No, no, could. We are socialized or conditioned to believe that white people don't engage in nonsense or don't have their own type of culture in this country. And that shit is a lie. White culture is on display all around us every single day. And it makes fantastic entertainment. From everything on TLC to Discovery Channel to now, Shiny Happy People on Prime Video. All right, let me read the official description of Tiny Happy, uh, not Tiny, Lord Jesus, of Shiny Happy People. And so it says, Shiny Happy People is a docuseries 
that warns about the abuse that is taking place behind the veil of Christian fundamentalism and the ambitions those people have for taking over politics and society. So I didn't know because I just be observing white mass. I don't be in white mass. I didn't know how deep the Duggar family was into the Institute of Basic Life Principles. Also didn't even know what the Institute of Basic Life Principles was or actually is because it still operates y'all. But if you ask me, it's giving cult. It's giving cult. Look it up. Um, so the Duggar family has been following these teachings for a number of years. And one of the teachings is being quiverful which is why Mama Duggar just stayed pregnant and had baby after baby after baby after baby. They were fruitful and they multiplied. However, them babies end up having their own challenges. And one of them being the oldest son who was um, convicted of, if I'm not mistaken. Let me check my sources, y'all. Because, you know, I got education and I passed research class with a C. So I know do your research and check your sources. Yeah, the oldest Duggar son admitted to molesting his sisters um, and then was convicted of doing so. And he was also like addicted to porn. Y'all, look, I'm not going to dive deep into a trauma barrel. However, what I'm just going to say is white mess. And y'all need to consider watching it, if not just for Mama Duggar and them bangs, baby, like them bangs. Bay gang for life. Like she needs a membership into the Bay gang for absolute life. Watch shiny people because white culture is very, very real. And it's also incredibly scary how much like Christian fundamentalism is intertwined into government and society. Like they really be running shit. They really be running shit, y'all. Pay attention. Pay attention. Um, along with watching Shiny Happy People, I just finished The Curious Case of Natalia Grace. It is on Max, which used to be called HBO Max. Not really sure why they dropped the uh, HBO part, but whatever. Um, and I think it's also on the Discovery Channel. But y'all, like, more white mess. More white mess with increased theatrics because the dad on that docuseries, oh, he brought my little heart so much joy and laughter through a very confusing and tragic story. So if you're not familiar with um, the case of Natalia Grace Barnett, um, Natalia Grace Barnett is, was at the time a six-year-old orphan. This is the their language, not mine. Um, that was adopted from the Ukraine by this family in Indiana the Barnett family. So there's the dad, um, Michael, and then the mom, Christine, they adopted Natalia when she was six, allegedly six. Um, but then there was like these series of events that happened where the family, particularly that mama, Christine, began to question Natalia's real age because she was born with some sort of dwarfism, the type slips my mind at this moment in time. Um, but the family began to grow concerned. They're like, well, is she really six? Or is this a grown ass woman in our house? Um, and so they went through this process of legally getting Natalia's age changed. And the age jumped 
from like her being born in 2003 to her being born in 1989. And so she went from like being like, I think the age of nine to a full blown adult. Legally, they went and changed this girl's age. And then they dumped her in this apartment to fend for herself. Granted, she has mobility challenges. She didn't know how to do her basic ADL. So like just life skills to take care of herself because she was likely still a child when they legally changed her age to an adult age. And they abandoned that girl in an apartment and went to go live their lives. Like at one point they moved to Canada, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but when I tell you that story had so many twists, so many turns, so much white mess. I could not get enough of it. There was like this neighbor who was a part of the docuseries and she knew Natalia when Natalia was living in those apartments. And this woman had like 50 crosses, like Jesus crosses hanging up in her house at, a, at one time trying to retell these stories. But I couldn't focus on nothing that woman was saying because all I saw was all them crosses and I wanted to know why. What was the story behind this? Along with that, the dad, Michael, oh my God, look, I don't condone abuse. I don't laugh at abuse. I don't think none of that shit is funny. But there was this scene during the docuseries where the dad was retelling a story of how his wife, Christine, allegedly beat Natalia. And he threw his entire body into reliving the story in the moment. To include like crouching onto the ground, like punching the ground so damn hard that he even hurt himself. <laughs> and then he had these moments where he would just kind of get incredibly elevated and elaborate in his expressing of situations that he would like almost fall out. I had so many questions about this man. So many questions. He kept changing his story his cadence in his voice, so many questions. However, if you kind of watch the docuseries, you will soon find out who the real evil person is. And it was the one who didn't make an appearance in the docuseries at all. And even, it was his wife, Christine, I'm gonna say it right now, she's the real evil one. Is she a freak? I don't kink shame nobody, but Christine, baby, Christine was getting it, you hear me? Um. And even to this day, it's still not even clear how old Natalia actually is. And I believe her legal age is still at like being born in 1989. Wild, wild, white mess giving for days. Highly encourage y'all give that a watch. All right, this one isn't white mess, but baby, let me tell y'all how much I love Carisha. Young Miami, Carisha, period, and what? Like, I love Carisha. And so I can't get enough of her YouTube interview series, Carisha, please. Um, She's interviewed a couple people. She, has, she doesn't have a lot of episodes as of date. I did watch the one with her and Summer Walker, which I believe is the most recent interview. And then she had one with Black China. And I'm convinced that, like, if Carisha got some training or like went to school or something to become a therapist, she would be good at it because she can ask questions. 
Like she just gets straight to asking the questions that need to be asked. She don't do a lot of teeing up in terms of like trying to lead into a question. She will literally just be like, so why you do that? Or what make you want to stay with him? And then to summer, she even asked her, well, why he can't see his kids? Why would you do that? I mean, I wish I had it in me to like ask questions that way as a therapist. I just don't. But I would love to see Carisha in like a therapeutic setting with a few more skills and tools and just put her like run groups. Hell, I would even let Carisha do intake assessments with certain demographics and populations because I really feel like Carisha make it pop. Carisha make it pop. I love Carisha. Damn. Ten toes down. Period. For young Miami. All right, what else is going on? Let me see. What's going on with me? Oh, y'all. They got me on the day naps, y'all. I don't even know if I can express through words how much resistance I have had to getting on dating apps. But I'm tired of men looking in my face and just not saying nothing. Or just, well, hell, I might just be tired of men. I'm not entirely sure. But anyways, look, they got me on these dating apps and the therapist, curious, nosy ass person in me, I can't get enough. I have so many questions about the different profiles and the people that I come across on these apps. So many questions, like so many questions. And when I tell y'all, like I stay highly entertained on some of these dating apps um, because one thing, well, one of the many things that I'm really good at is communicating directly and in between the lines. But also, ah, I'm trying to find my words where like, I don't sound too mean. And maybe those words just don't exist. But let me play this one clip that had me fall the hell out. This, this man in this voice message on his profile had me dying from laughter. And so the prompt is don't hate me if, and let me play for y'all what this man said. Already realized that I'm him. M. Jones, Hemi Hendrix, Timothy, <laughs> Ashkabone. Timothy? Timmy Jones, Timothy, already don't hate me if you realize I'm him, Timothy, baby, I was dying for days and you know I dropped that shit in the group chat, hell I probably dropped it in multiple group chats because I was dead for days and the other one that really had me cackling, let me see if I could find it, so the prompt was what I order for the table. Right. I'm going to read the prompt again. The prompt was what I order for the table. And this is what this man said. Wings. I'm going to play it again. Let me play it one more time. Wings. <laughs> Wings. 
I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make it. And I've also noticed like this reoccurring, reoccurring pattern on some of the men's dating profile pages around like the things they request or are looking for in a partner. And there's just this pattern of like, don't lie, be authentic, be yourself, tell the truth. And I'm really wondering, and I'm super curious about what that is rooted in for so many men in particular, black men, because, you know, that's who I like and that's who I'm hoping will like me back, even though I feel like I might end up with a white man. Lord, help me. But anyways, um, but like, what is this pattern, particularly among so many black men on like these dating sites, just saying, like, don't lie to me, be truthful, be honest, like. The hurt. So much hurt. So much lack of trust or just anxiety around being in relationship because of things that may have happened in previous relationships, intimate, platonic, or otherwise. Um, and then I also just keep seeing beds on the floor and dirty ass mares. I'm not judging or nothing. However, bed frames kind of cheap. And they got glass cleaner at Dollar Tree for $1.25. So, you know, we got other choices we can make. I don't think I'm going to make it on these apps. I really don't. I really don't. And so if somebody is listening, maybe it's you. Maybe you got an uncle, a daddy, cousin, brother, friend. Come get me. Get me off these apps. Pull up. We outside all summer. Because I'm not going to make it because I don't eat wings. And baby, if somebody said to me in my face, I'm Hemothy. Oh, I'm on the floor. I'm on the floor. All right. What else? What else? What else? Let me check my notes. Oh, leave Lizzo alone. No explanation. I ain't got nothing else to say. Just leave Lizzo the hell alone. That woman don't bother nobody. She just be twerking and eating vegetables. Leave Lizzo alone. I mean, I think this other stuff, y'all, I'm going to save for next time. So let's move into Tales from the Hood. This might come as a surprise to people who know me for my work, right? Like in community with various populations. Since 2008, uh, my career has been dedicated and focused on working with and alongside um, youth and young adults. And it comes as a surprise to people when I tell them I actually never even really liked kids. They really used to get on my nerves. I did not want to work with them at all. But now look at me all these years later, my, my focus is them. I love them deep, 10 toes down, love them the long way. With that being said, I want to share a story about uh, one of the first times I realized that I liked working with kids and I know I hate a strong word, but I might have wanted to fight one. That might have been what it was. Um, <laughs> so I'm originally from California, from San Diego, but I went to school in the Bay Area at San Jose State University. Shout out to the Spartans. Let's go. Um, and while I was an undergrad at San Jose State, I worked for um, the Y in an after school program. 
at one of the local elementary schools. I forget the name of the school district. Um, but there's one thing about California, it's big as shit. Got school districts for days, kids for days. And so I would often get them shits confused. So anyways, I worked for one of the local school districts at the after school program at the elementary school. And I was one of the counselors. So I had a responsibility for, you know, um, monitoring and engaging the fourth and fifth grade classes, um, doing homework, help, running games, still the bacon to this day, still my shit. Star Wars, the game, like the outdoor game with the balls, still my shit, right? Love them, tetherball, baby, pull up on me. Um, but I had a responsibility for working with the fourth and fifth grade classes. And for anybody who has worked in after school programs or just in school settings, you often know like corralling elementary school students in the gym that also serves as the cafeteria and the theater can be a challenge. And so we often would just do the chants, like one, two, three, if you can hear me, right? Clap once if you get my boys, clap two, if you get my boys, all that stuff, right? To get kids to settle down, get into their lines, to pay attention and receive, receive instructions. And so I was often responsible for like corralling the kids into the cafeteria, theater, gym, uh, to sit down in their lines, you know, in their rows by grade. Y'all picture it. Y'all see it, right? Y'all see it. So I'm on the stage. I probably have on, no, I don't probably, I have on shorts and then like my regular uniform top because it was probably hot as shit um, that day. And I still remember those kids were sitting on the ground, all in their lines. The majority are just kind of wiggling, but yet still playing, paying attention. I have the whole room calm, getting ready to pass it over to my colleague to give instructions for the game or the activity or whatever it, whatever it was we were about to do. And then the silence of the moment. This beautiful second grader, I'm not going to say her name. I'm not going to do that to her, but it's beautiful second grader. White girl, brown hair, yells out, your knees are black. I, I remember just pausing. <laughs> I remember just pausing. Because she wasn't lying, but at the same time, girl, what? Your knees are black. Your knees are black? I knew it came at that time. I didn't have like this deep awareness around like where her outburst, not even her outburst, her curiosity was coming from. I kind of just wanted to fight her because I felt embarrassed. I felt embarrassed. Um, Cause she yelled out in front of all of those young people that my knees are black. I remember feeling so small, um, incredibly insecure, despite like having commanded the attention of the space to get the kids to pay attention, to receive instruction. She broke me down so quick with such few words. Your knees are black. And I still hold that with me to this day. And that happened like, what, 2008, 2009? So well over a decade ago. And I still think about that moment of even when we might feel, I might feel that I'm in control, that um, I'm commanding attention or that I can sway a room to do whatever it is I need it to do. That all it takes is one person to snap you back, snap me back into reality and knock me off any type of high horse. 
And so I remember from that moment and then in retrospect now, how like that informs the way I show up today with not taking me or my work too seriously. Because when I tell you like I I was I'm a I'm a good worker. And so even all those times that I was working in the after school program, showed up on time, did my curriculum, filled in for my team members, you know, ran activities, followed up with parents, did all the shit, did all the shit. Felt like I was excelling in my role and responsibility. I enjoyed working with the young people. And at the same time, my knees are black. <laughs> So I could be doing any and all things the correct or right way. And it really just takes one second grader to always tell you the truth about who you are in any moment to remind you just how small. And it is okay with recognizing just how small you are in the greater context of society or how small you might be in somebody's universe or world. And so I'm grateful. Now I am grateful for that experience when that baby yelled out that my knees were black. But at that time, oh, I wanted, to, she had to catch hands. I really wanted, I wanted it. I wanted smoke. I really did. And I held a grudge for, towards that second grader for a smooth, for, for a while. Longer than I would like to admit. Longer than I would like to admit. However, she had a profound impact on my life um, and how I continue to show up working with and alongside young people to this day. So I'm grateful for the message and recognition that my knees are black. So I feel like this is a good transition into this week's A Good Black Word. And so I was introduced to this book, I feel like in the early parts of 2020, it's called Being Black, Zen, and the Art of Living with Fearlessness and Grace by Angel Coda Williams. Um, if folks are not aware, I have had my toe in Buddhist teachings and practices since 2009. However, during the pandemic, I made a full leap um, because I had to find some grounding and some centering because I was losing my shit like everybody else. Um, and so I just went headfirst into really better understanding my relationship um, with Buddhist teachings and practices. And one of the ways I was able to find my place as a Black person inside of Buddhist teachings and practices was through the book, Being Black, Zen and the Art of Living with Fearlessness and Grace by Angel Koto Williams. And one of the things that I've been reflecting on this week is like, we have these false beliefs that a journey or a path um, will lead us to something, right? If it's like enlightenment or peace or nirvana or like whatever it is, we think like if we go down this journey, it's going to lead us to this one particular thing, whatever that thing is. And what I'm accepting is that belief is just false. Right. Like what um, she writes about in the book is you can't catch enlightenment like a virus and no one can give it away. Meaning like I can't 
do all this reading, sit with all, sit for meditations, practice all this yoga, yoga, engage in all this mindfulness, right? Have all these conversations and explorations and believe that I can catch enlightenment or believe that somebody can give it to me because that is just not possible. Like I mentioned earlier in the episode, I acknowledge that like this path that leads towards being an enlightened being is incredibly, it's just unattainable. It's not real. And the reason it's not real is because I acknowledge I'm actually doing the work and I'm my own path. I get to determine whatever the things are that I'm learning along my journey, but I recognize it's not just one thing. There are multiple things that I am learning along my journey. It's my journey, which means whatever I'm learning, whatever I'm looking for, I have to learn to find those things within me. So in the book, inside of this particular section, she has this quote that I've really been reflecting on. And it says, as long as you are looking towards anything but yourself, you'll always be headed in the wrong direction. I'm going to read it one more time because I need to hear it one more time. As long as you are looking towards anything but yourself, you'll always be headed in the wrong direction. That means I got to look at me. You got to look at you. We can't continue to look at these external sources, people, places, and think we're going to find it, whatever the it is. The it already resides inside of us. Like if we even notice patterns of behaviors in other people and we'll see it, I've seen it at least frequently in my work is folks believe that if when they're having challenges with relationships or their environment, whatever that looks like, they feel like if they pack everything up and leave and move somewhere else, things will get better. Oftentimes what happens is, yeah, they pack everything up and leave and go somewhere else their external environment might change and get better, but all they did was take all their bullshit with them. If it was their poor management of expectations, relationships, decision-making, impulse, whatever, they took all their shit and took it with them to the new place because they've been looking outside of themselves for whatever it is they're searching for. And so a part of the way that I end each and every one of my yoga practices is I always say to myself is you have everything that you need. You are everything that you need. I love you. I will take care of you. And that's just the truest thing that I can ever say to myself because I recognize that I have I have everything that I need and that I am everything that I need. This doesn't mean that I don't believe in interdependence. It doesn't mean that I don't believe in the concept of community because I'm rooted in community and I believe that we are all connected. Absolutely. However, at the end of the day, I cannot look outside of anything but myself for whatever it is that I'm in search of. I also recognize that I have to have the best relationship with myself because that is who I spend the most time with. That is who you spend the most time with, yourself. And if you have a shitty relationship with yourself, it's going to be some miserable times. And as long as you or me were looking outside of ourselves for any answer, we're looking in the wrong direction. It may sound cliche, but I find it to be the absolute truth. It all starts within. It all starts with us. 
And we have to shed this belief that we can just catch enlightenment or catch peace, catch happiness, catch joy, or that somebody can give it to us or something can give it to us because it can't. We can only give ourselves joy, happiness, peace, clarity, understanding. And it really starts with this belief that we deserve it all. Because that is true. We deserve it all. So that is my good black word for this week. Is that as long as you're looking towards anything but yourself, you'll always be headed in the wrong direction. So turn back around. Turn inward. Begin to cultivate that relationship with you. Understanding that your path belongs to you and that only you can determine what you receive along the way. There's no end goal of one thing to achieve. There are multiple things that we can learn and grow and understand and shed if we give ourselves the grace and the patience to figure this shit out. Because I know that's all I have to give to me is grace and patience. I don't have everything figured out. I have letters behind my name and a significant amount of student loan debt, but I do not have my shit together. And I am so cool with saying that out loud. So we've come to the end. And I want to thank y'all for hanging out. This was good. Um, We'll see. We'll see what the next one looks like, sounds like. And we'll just keep having a good time till we don't anymore. And so the way that I like to end everything is please, please take care of your hearts so that we can take care of each other because we are all that we have. And I'll talk to you next time. <laughs>